A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Listeners, hello and welcome to Homo Sapiens. Homo Sapiens Extra, I should add. I come to you this week from the park near my house in Adelaide. I'm catching some rays while I listen to your dulcet tones on all these voice notes and things you've been sending in for this week's Topic of the Week. More on that later. Because, yes, I've got Factor 50 on, but I'm going to get me some sun because I've basically been in a car all week driving through the outback. Does that sound exciting? Yes. Does that sound glamorous? Yes. But the realities are you basically sort of bent double over a laptop for eight hours a day. So I thought I'd come and get some fresh air and get some sun because I need to arrive back from Australia with a vague tan. Otherwise, no one's going to believe I went. Now, here I've sort of parked myself on the edge of uh, where there's like a tennis court and there's a sort of pitch of some description. Golf course? I'm not the person to ask the difference, really. There's a sort of man running around... He's obviously doing laps. Anyway, I'm approaching to try and find myself a little spot, but someone's got the same idea as me. She's clearly bags that tree, 400 foot high. This man running around is really going for it. Nothing makes you feel more lazy than um, watching someone run around. I will add, I did go for a run this morning. FYI, among the cruelest tricks that uh, the Australian outback plays on you is that you have to spend your entire time looking out for snakes. That would be fine if it wasn't the case that the whole of the Australian outback is covered in short little sticks that look like snakes. So wherever you go, you are basically convinced that you're about to see a snake. It's kind of intense. And then spiders. Me and spiders is a whole new thing now. I've seen about five poisonous spiders. I've seen a huntsman. You've probably seen all this on my Instagram because I've been posting it. A huntsman. Now, they don't bite. They're not poisonous. We've got to be right... Oh, there you go. See, another twig. Thought it was a snake. Uh, redbacks is what I saw. Redback spiders. Now, they are very poisonous. I walked through a cobweb, a redback spider's web, which was a low point because I walked through. The spider's web was all over my face, turned around. Massive redback spider above my head, which was also sort of half coming out of a giant egg that I never truly got to the bottom of. But, yeah, so there was that. Then every single... Because we're looking for locations, you see, and they're all sort of like abandoned spaces. So what happens is you end up being in, like, these rooms where these spiders are very happily minding their own business, I will add. It's my fault for going into their spaces. But um, sort of trying to have a conversation about something and, like, poisonous spider. Oh, poisonous spider. I have managed to get a little bit of other stuff done. So in Australia in general, but Adelaide, where I am... 
they have these things called op shops. They're charity shops. But if you think of an English charity shop, I suppose in America, for our American listeners, you do have bigger ones there, thrift stores. But they're here, they are colossal, the size of car parts. So um, I went and bought a couple of hats, because you need hats in the outback, you see. I sort of look like Anna Green Gables in one of them. You probably, that's the one that's on my Instagram a lot. But I quite like it. Sort of straw situation. And then I bought a bright red cap that I'm wearing now that says panache on it. And you sort of think these days, you will buy a cap and then I'm wearing it. And then I think, I have no idea what this brand is. I hope it's not some right-wing organisation. I'm now, you know... Could be a, a maker, make American great again. The Australian faction hat. What else is there to tell you? Well, this week, what, what did you listen last week to our wonderful interview with Liz Carr? Did you listen to our collaboration with the wonderful Talk Art Boys? We're so proud of that. That was so much fun to do. Both on our feed, go and have a listen. Talk Art is Russell Tovey and Robert Diamond's art podcast. They've had all the big names on it. And we did a sort of episode about queer art, which you have all been loving, which is very nice. So thanks for all your lovely messages about it. But, oh, there's a puppy running towards me. There's a doggy running towards me. Hello. Do you want a stick? Makes me miss my little dog Ridley. He's grabbing a stick. My dog can't catch sticks. Just like Daddy Can't Catch. Shall I give you a recap on what Homo Sapiens Extra is? Homo Sapiens Extra is where we read your emails and your feedback on previous episodes. We do LGBTQ plus news. We do some agony uncling. We do culture club. And main event, tent pole event, we do topic of the week. This week, we are talking about LGBTQ plus sex scenes in films. Are they desperately unrealistic or are there some good examples and you've been writing in in your droves and you've all got a lot to say and i'm going to be calling up the wonderful desiree akaban she is an actor she's a writer she's a director she's a creator as they say and she created a wonderful show called the bisexual which had some brilliant sex scenes well very realistic and i'm going to get her take on why and how things aren't portrayed right when it comes to queer relationships on screen because she managed to do it first up let's go and have a look at some emails emails and messages on socials i might add our episode on whether as a queer person you want to have children has sparked some great discussion which was the intention my dearest listeners i've loved 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 reading all of your stories and we had a message from a regular listener rob he said i'm just writing to say i think an essential angle on the question of queers having children was missed. Thank you, Rob, for bringing this to my attention. Our hard-won queer rights are only two generations old and they could be unravelled more easily than we think. Raising a child is the most enduring way to pass on your values and beliefs to the future. So by bringing up children with queer values, you are helping the cause long-term. Cheers, Rob. It's interesting that because prior to a recent history, it is quite an interesting point that queerness has existed in a little bit of a vacuum hasn't it so that because a straight family way back when was the more mainstream model for which to have children obviously there are people who grew up with gay parents for many many years and were accepted but they were a rarity unfortunately but this sort of bright new dawn with queer parents who will then have children i think is a bright new future and long overdue and what's quite interesting actually is something i think about i wonder what anyone thinks about this I am going to have kids at some point and I wonder about what kind of school they go to 
And I was like, oh, you know, do I want to send my kids to a school, like primary school, whatever, nursery, where there's loads of other LGBTQ plus parents? Or does that matter? And actually, no matter where I am, I would be proudly representing. But then I was thinking, what's better for the kid? It's an interesting conundrum. Those with children or not, please write in. Tell me your thoughts. We also had a voice note from the lovely Ed. So have a listen, have a listen. Hi, Chris and the Homo sapiens crew. Growing up and coming out in the UK in the noughties made me think that I'd never really have a family of my own. It was perceived as a straight thing and that us gays wouldn't have kids because that's not really what gays do. But after a while or some time, I realised that that wasn't quite right and the idea of not having kids wasn't mine. It was a heteronormative view that I had absorbed from the culture around me. As a gay man, I can often get caught up in a heteronormative way of thinking and that's a shame because that culture doesn't always understand our perspectives. And it's up to us to make these decisions. I'm happy to report that I went against those internal homophobic thoughts. And I now have two wonderful kids. They're now three and six. And I call them my beautiful rainbow family. They have two full-time mums, mum and mummy. And I get to see them regularly. They live in the same village as me. So I get to uh, do school pickups and just spend some nice quality time. So it's a truly humbling and wonderful experience. If I would listened to the culture around me, I would never have had kids. And I think that's um, that would be a sad, sad time. Ed, what a lovely message. Couldn't agree more about it's about deciding what's best for you and not having to follow any trends. Also, sharing parenting with two mums that's really fascinating love to hear more about that ed i'd love to hear more about that from listeners who are doing that as well i can i also just say i'm sitting here being in australia it's like being in an episode of a david attenborough show i've sat down on the grass trying to do my legs and um there are enormous ants crawling around in the grass around me i'm just in a park in a city two huge black ants with big red heads are currently having a duel that is absolutely usable for a david attenborough show they're sort of fighting each other also, tennis match just started on the court next to me. Hmm. Anyway, back to this. On the environmental side of the debate, here are Vicky's thoughts. One person mentioned the carbon footprint consideration for being a valid reason to not have biological children. This obviously can be for straight couples too, like myself. I think people who have this attitude and genuinely care about their carbon footprint should have a child, at least adopt, because they'll be fantastic at raising eco-conscious social justice advocate humans. Thanks, Vicky. Well, that's almost a little bit about what what Rob said, which is because your views are perhaps more progressive than others, don't step yourself out of the process, you know, work out how to pay it forward to the next generation because we all need, we need a generation of people who are representing when it comes to LGBTQ plus rights. We also need a generation of people who are going to be um, trying to work out how to save this planet. Can't leave it all down to Elon Musk. Ah, now next up, we've got a lovely email from Kat. Kind of about two things, about kids, but it's also about asexuality, which I'm very excited to read out to you. Hello, I love your podcast and have been listening since I discovered you during lockdown, which in Australia was most of last year. As a heterosexual woman, maybe grey forward slash demi, still figuring it out, I have continued to learn so much listening to your lovely voices. Sadly, however, I don't hear much discussion that includes asexual or any of the non-sexual romantic people of the LGBTQIA plus community. Now 47, I spent most of my life thinking sex was very overrated. Women were totally lying to keep men happy or that there was something very wrong with me. I only discovered in the last few months that I'm not alone. 
I am now happily married to someone who is equally devoid of libido. My other comment is that I loved Alistair's comment regarding having children, that not having kids is one really important step towards reducing our impact on the earth and that adopting people and pets, not adding people pets, is a selfless, not selfish way to be a parent. Anyway, love, love, love the podcast and you both and look forward to hearing the first at-length conversation with members of the broader non-sexual community, Cat. Thank you, Cat. Absolutely. Must do better is the takeout from this. We must do more around it. I look forward to presenting you with beautiful episodes in and around these topics for your delectation, as well as more stories of me being attacked by snakes. Now then, we would be nothing, listeners, if it wasn't for your emails, messages, voice notes, Instagram, DMs, the whole caboodle. Please get in touch. Tell us what you think about having children. Tell us about areas of asexuality and other areas of that spectrum that you would like to hear us talk about. Email hello at homosapienspodcast.com. Get in touch and follow us on at homosapiens on Instagram or at homosapienspodcast on Facebook. Tennis match over there. Not going so well. Just going to say it. There's clearly one who's going to win the match. Hit the net again. I say this all as someone who cannot get a ball back across the net. I literally can't catch. I like watching tennis from a park because, you see, they always have a fence around it, so I know the tennis ball isn't going to come near me. Although the way this kid's lobbing it around. Whenever anyone is playing football in a park, I mean, it is literally my worst nightmare. If someone kicks a ball to me, it's actually should be in, like, the gay curriculum as one of the worst things that can ever happen to you. Now, it's time for some LGBTQ plus news. I would like to start with the fact that they have made Mr. Potato Head gender neutral as of this week, I saw. What a lovely step forwards. So I think Mr. Potato Head is just called Potato Head now. I always, whenever I had a Mr. Potato Head as a kid, immediately took off all the stuff and then tried to put lipstick on him and tried to make him into a woman. Because there were some female bits as well, because there was a Mrs. Potato Head which in itself is just so dated. Um, Love anything progress. I love it when something mass market does something progressive because it means it's really filtering through away from the margins. And that always makes me excited. Other good news, pink news. The US House of Representatives has voted to pass the Equality Act, a landmark civil rights bill prohibiting discrimination against LGBT plus people in all 50 states of America. I love that I didn't know that. I thought there were 52 states. I know, 51st date. Isn't that a Mel Gibson film? God knows. It substantially expands the existing 1964 Civil Rights Act to include specific protections for sexual orientation and gender identity. It finally addresses the patchwork state coverage that leaves countless queer people vulnerable to discrimination. The Equality Act explicitly enshrines sexual orientation and gender identity protections in law, rather than looping them under the umbrella of sex. Ah, this is such good news. It also goes far beyond employment. It would cover housing, public accommodations, public education, federal funding, credit and the jury system, among others. Representative Richie Torres, the first LGBT plus black and Afro-Latina member of Congress, said he felt the weight of history on his shoulders as he voted to claim equal protection under law. My younger self could have never imagined standing on the floor of the House as a member of Congress voting for legislation that, if enacted, will make me equal in the eyes of the law. He said, we are equal by nature and we ought to be equal by law. Love that. Speaking of love, well, sex, let's talk about Topic of the Week. I wanted to hear this week from you about 
how realistic do you think LGBTQ plus sex scenes are on screen? It seems to me that we are falling short in cinema. We are not portraying it in the correct way. Or if we are, we're slightly glossing over it in a way that we don't with straight sex scenes. And I'm not I'm not asking for a diagram. I'm just asking for realism. I'm asking for representation that doesn't come from a place that is inauthentic or hidden in any way. I think what's also interesting, and the gist of this has been coming through in all of your messages, is lesbian sex scenes are really falling short. Plus, they are written for the male gaze, for a straight male eye, and therefore will be... Like, do you remember tipping when Tipping the Velvet came out and it was all sort of scandalous and all of that, when in fact it's not portraying it from the perspectives of the people who are involved, which I think is fascinating. Do you remember that film Bound? Oh, that was a great film. So, as ever, we kicked things off with a poll. We asked you lovely lot on Instagram, do you think... Oh, this is an ant coming on my back. Um... We asked what you will think of LGBTQ plus sex scenes in films. 76% of you said it needs improvement. 24% of you said there are brilliant examples. Interesting. Lizzie on Instagram said there are some good examples when the storytellers, i.e. writers and the creators, are actually have an understanding of queer sex. But uh, if I have to see another movie written by straight men featuring a lesbian couple played by straight women... Somehow in the missionary position, getting off on straight porn, my head might explode. Interesting, getting off on straight porn. So it's always sort of centering the straight experience, even within a queer sex scene. And then we've got an email from Gary in Shropshire, who concurs. I think that by and large, the reality of sex is whitewashed for both gay and straight scenes. I guess the feeling is that a smooth and seamless coupling is what the audience wants in a romance scene. Whereas if there is room for comedy or a wish to be more true to life, then we see a more realistic interpretation. Fascinating point, Gary. I totally get what you mean. The scene in the brilliant It's a Sin where he hasn't washed his ass is a great example of a well-done scene. Ah, yes. Now, Russell, when he came on to talk about It's a Sin on the podcast a few weeks ago, um, still available in our feed, we talked about that, actually, and about how no one teaches you how to have gay sex, and therefore that's why the guy in the show doesn't know that um, he needed to wash his ass and all of that stuff that, blimey, no one pulled me aside and told me any of that stuff. Let me tell you. Um, were there some scrapes? Yes, listeners, there were. Yeah, it's interesting, the category falling of, like, if it's realistic, it's funny. And if not, people just want it to sort of be glossed over. Back to Gary's email. My boyfriend and I are also watching HBO's Looking for the first time and felt that the scene where Patrick Bottoms for Russell Tovey's character... Russell Tovey of Talkart Podcast... Oh, there's an aeroplane, a micro-light aeroplane flying overhead. Hi! Russell Tovey from Talkart Podcast, who we just did the crossover episode with. It's amazing. So go and have a listen. Still in the feed. Russell Tovey's character portrayed the genuine discomfort that can occur. I did wonder where the lube had come from, though. Well, you know, some people are just always prepared, Gary. I do think TV and film producers should do more to portray sex realistically for an, any audience, be it straight or LGBTQ+. Otherwise, young people may rely on the unrealistic portrayals we see in porn. <laughs> Very interesting. Porn is not intimacy, on the whole. And sex should be intimacy. And what happens is a lot of the time we copy porn 
and there's that sort of pornification of sex. And it's a slippery slope because to be intimate, it's a lot harder work and it involves you being vulnerable. It's a lot scarier. But may I just say, I can highly recommend it. And, um, but it's, uh, I would also like to flag, I am not getting it right. Nobody is. But very interesting. And Looking, directed by Andrew Haig, brilliant TV show starring uh, Russell T. Davies, Russell T. Davies, Russell Tovey, a lot of Russells on this show lately, and people like Jonathan Groff. Such a brilliant show. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Then we've got an email from Prue in Amsterdam. Hi, Prue. Well, I have had trouble trying to think of more than three recent lesbian sex scenes in movies. I've limited myself to lesbian scenes because I don't feel totally qualified to comment otherwise. So I asked my wife this question and her answer was, I don't know, I haven't seen enough. And I think it sums it up perfectly. Despite that fact, we recently watched Ammonite, Kate Winslet, Swoon, and both felt the sex was realistic and well portrayed in that film. Was it the quality of the acting, the realistic bodies the appropriateness of the story. All this needs further investigation for sure. Interesting to us is the film had a male director, but it all felt very female gaze. Love you guys. Keep up the work. That is really interesting. Now, Ammonite, directed by the wonderful Francis Lee, who directed one of my favourite films in the world, God's Own Country, also came on this podcast, available in the feed. Um, Maybe I should make that as a T-shirt. It's Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan, and it's their relationship. Um, Ammonite, beautiful film, is out on the 26th of March on demand and then it will be in cinemas as soon as cinemas are open. I implore you all to go and watch it. Prue is not the first uh, lesbian who has told me that the sex scenes are brilliant in it and I think following on from what Prue said and the email before, I wonder if it's about getting people who are queer to direct these scenes. Now what's interesting is what Prue's saying is that it was directed by a gay man, so that is not someone with the direct experience. But I wonder if the queerness and the intimacy and maybe a little bit of the fear and trepidation and exploration about it is specific. Um, I don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts, listeners. Uh, Now, two voice notes with recommendations for great sex scenes. Let's have a listen. Regarding LGBTQI plus sex scenes, the sex scenes in Summerstorm, the German coming-of-age film, are really good. And then the sex scenes in the American surfer movie Shelter are also very good, in my opinion. Okay, noting down, noting down. My evening's television sorted. Joe from Ireland has been in touch as well. Or unless that's the name of the film. 
great sex scenes in Joe from Ireland. Um, hi, this is Joe from Ireland. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I think the French film Blue is the Warmest Colour, which is called La Vie d'Adèle, had such good lesbian sex scene that, uh, in it that the Cannes Film Festival, when it awarded the Palme d'Or to the director, it actually split the award with him and the two main actresses. So that was Adèle Exarchopoulos and Léa Seydoux. And I just, in general, just loved that film anyway, regardless of the sex scene, the portrayal of the relationship. It's just amazing acting from both of the main actresses in it. Ah, yes, Blue's Warmest Colour. Now, that caused quite the stir when it came out. And I think what's interesting about that film is it seemed to divide people as well. Now, some other brilliant examples that you guys suggested include 28 Beats Per Minute. Amazing film. Good queer sex scenes in Pose. Good queer sex scenes in Looking. And you wrote in to say God's Own Country. It's time for Phone a Friend, where we're going to ask Desiree Akaban, the wonderful actor, creator, writer, director, polymath of The Bisexual on Channel 4. She herself is a bisexual woman. I want to call her and ask her what her take is on all of this. As someone who is inside the industry, has directed brilliant sex scenes herself. What is it that we're missing? What are we doing well? Let's ask Desiree. Your call couldn't be connected. Please check the number. Okay, let's try this. It's ringing. It's ringing. It's actually ringing. Hello? Desiree, it's Christopher Sweeney. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good, thanks. We're talking about LGBTQ plus sex scenes in film and TV on the podcast, and I think there's some amazing ones. There are some that aren't. (laughs) (laughs) My first question is, do you think that the representation of LGBTQ plus sex scenes on screen is realistic? Well... There's such a wide range of representations. There's such a wide range of depictions. So it's hard to point to it and be like, yes or no. Like you said, some films are complete shite and every last element of it is shitty. And then some films are actually kind of incredible. And then it gets to the fucking and you're like, come on. (laughs) And that's where it loses you, you know, like it's, it's such a wide range. Every once in a while, there'll be something that's really moving. I feel like it's a conversation that no one's really sunk their teeth into. Like, and I say that hopeful, like there's a missed opportunity there. We get to be the change we want to see. When you have done them yourself, and I'm thinking about the bisexual, Mm -hmm. for example, what were your things that you were thinking about that you wanted to bring on screen? I definitely had a checklist while I was writing and then another one while I was shooting. Mm -hmm. While we were writing the show, it was like, well, what am I not seeing on screen? Okay, I'm not seeing queefing. Okay, I'm I'm not seeing as much humor as I'd like to see. So I was looking at different aspects of sex that I found particularly compelling in terms of, you know, bisexuality and in terms of sleeping with the opposite sex for the first time. What would fucking look like for her at this age when she had not even touched a man's body? So like, what, mm. what would, you know, what would it feel like? And then when we were executing it, my co-writer producers and I were looking at a lot of our favorite sex scenes. And unfortunately, most of those were were straight, actually. Um, directors like Lynn Ramsey, I love the way that she yes. shoots sex. Andrea Arnold, mm. uh, photography by Nan Golden. Even like Lust Caution, Ang Lee's Lust Caution was um, like, a, I don't even know how long that sex sequence is. It, it's intense. Mm-hmm. 
And a lot of story and plot gets communicated in that film through the fucking. So that was a film that I, I looked at a lot and really loved for that reason. You know, Ang Lee is a man. and <laughs> Yeah, women do it better, usually. I hate to generalize, but I think that's true. I think the journey of sex, too, isn't one and done. Like, it's not like a linear pursuit. I think there are different mm. shades of it and different things happening beyond penetration and orgasm. Gay female sex, or even bisexual sex, on television, it's actually been a bit of a staple of Sunday night television because it's seen as titillating, mm. sort of like girl on girl. I feel like so people yeah. go, oh no, it's portrayed on screen a lot. It's like, but it's never been portrayed without the male gaze. Or not never. Oh, for sure. But what's funny is I think that like the male gaze on gay sex loses its like power and urgency and like essentially the fucking nature of fucking. I recently watched a film by a man where two women were having sex and it was so graphic. It felt like, you know, borderline pornographic. There was no lust or tension or any sense of sexual desire, which was a really fascinating uh, contradiction Mm. to be like, oh, this is incredible. I feel uncomfortable watching this and yet I don't feel any lust stirred in me. I don't feel any excitement. The reason I feel uncomfortable is because I don't feel any compassion for what they're going through. Like, I just don't understand why they're climbing up to off of each other. Like, yeah. why, are they, why are they doing this? It doesn't look pleasant. And I always feel like with, and this is, I mean, I'm making terrible generalizations, and I'm sure there are exceptions out there, but when I think about scenes of, of, of women having sex with each other that are shot by men, Usually it feels like it's trying to answer that thesis question of like, well, how do women fuck? <laughs> like, technically, like, where do their arms go? And, and, and what are you counting? I guess they just kind of like scissor and, 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 and does she sit on her face? Is that how That's it goes? Hysterical. Do you like that? Like, it, it's such a technical thing. And you get this sense, like, it's very much like, I think a sex scene should be subjective. I think I should be in the position of the people having sex. I should be in their experience of it and understand what's happening between the two people. And I've always found that a lot of these scenes directed by men feel very objective, that they should be subjective, that they feel objective. Like, I'm like 20 frame, like steps backwards. I'm looking at it pretty wide. I'm like seeing exactly what's, and even when it's tighter up close, it's like, well, I'm just watching where your hands are and where your limbs are. And I'm finally understanding. Cause I think that's also where men want to be. It's like where they want to understand is like, oh, well, what goes where now? Ooh, and that's how I feel when I watch porn. Like, I get really turned off by a lot of porn, not all porn, but most porn, though. I'm like, ooh, I just, I'm watching where all the slaps and folds are, but I'm not quite getting a sense of anybody's pleasure. Yeah. And then, what do you think of blue is the warmest color? Because that is pointed to as a pillar of mm-hmm. um, gay female sex, but it was directed by a man. I think the sex scenes are really terrible and that if it weren't for those sex scenes, I would actually really love that movie. Interesting, yeah. That they completely lose their emotional agency and inner life once they're fucking. I suppose what we're talking about, if if I'm trying to post-rationally justify it, is like we are all searching for for versions of ourselves on screen and it's rare. So we kind of have to go with the crumbs we're given. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's super different, but I... What's so wild about and cool about being a maker is that like your opinion in the world and the context of yourself and your work gets to be the only one that matters mm. and in terms of like what you're directing and what you're watching, like there's a right and there's a wrong and it's whatever you think it is. I find that really empowering and like in my head, it is just wrong. 
the sex scenes in Blue Witch Performance Corner yeah. is like unacceptable. Yeah. And like maybe it does mean, and that's what I found too, is like I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who feel really like like gay women out there who felt really held by that film. Mm. And you can't erase that. That's an experience. Um, mm. But since it's not mine, it doesn't matter to me <laughs> at this moment in time. To change the subject, thinking about like a gay male sex scene directed by Ang Lee in... Um Brokeback Mountain like a bunch of straight men deciding what it should be yeah <laughs> yeah and but in a way like I think maybe inadvertently that sex scene the first sex scene I think there is anyone is actually about shame you know and I've experienced a lot of shame. sex like that sex scene which is someone who is sort of doing it but horrified by themselves I really think that all that matters is like what are you saying with your scene other than they're having sex and there has to be a story to me in my mm. opinion, I think there has to be something happening or else why am I watching this? Yeah. And if you're, if, if that's what's happening, like these people are, are both like drawn to this and disgusted by this, like that's tension, that's something to chew on. Mm. And um, with specifically blue as a woman of color, it just feels like the only thing that is being said for what is it? Nine and a half minutes mm. straight is, this is what it looks like, ladies and gentlemen. Like, get here, step right up. A lesbian sex, I present. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. That I think the hallmark of a good sex scene is not one that's just going, "Hey, here's gay sex. Here's queer sex. Here's some sex." <laughs> yeah, here's what's going on for these queer people, and that's what is so much more important and complicated and truthful, and we can smell it a mile off. Yeah, and it should be the same in straight sex scenes as well. By yes. the way, like I don't think this is a queer anomaly, but we just never see like queer cinema is still a niche genre. So uh, that's why it's like especially rampant, I think, yes. in queer sex scenes and the way that people come out of fetishize, especially between two women. Ah, mm. uh, fascinating chat. Blue is the woman's color really divides people. What's great is is that you guys are writing in with sex scenes that you think have actually worked really well, have portrayed it well, and portrayed it beautifully. Also, what we need more of is, in addition to all this brilliant work that's being done that is hitting the notes with you guys, is trying to see people telling their own stories more, which is where the whole of television and film seems to be going. It's people telling their own personal stories, doesn't it? Thank you, Desiree. What a lovely chat. Which takes me over to Culture Club. Hmm. Tennis game's going well. Some other people have joined. Good on you guys. Best of luck. Culture Club is where we all share what we've been eating, what we've been drinking, what we've been watching, what we've been listening to, what we've been reading. Film first. A lot of you have been watching I Care A Lot, which is... Oh, it's this new Rosamund Pike film. It's a dark comedy thriller. Rosamund Pike pays this um, guardian who allegedly is brought in to look after an older person and she's assigned all, like, her, she can do all her decision-making for her. But things get sticky when um, it's revealed Rosamund Pike's character doesn't have the best of intentions at heart. Um, Really good. What else have you been watching? You've all been loving UK Drag Race. Love Victor on Disney Plus, so that's the TV series. That looks really cool. I haven't watched it. WandaVision, which is Elizabeth Olsen's show, has been getting rave reports from so many people. Laura Sanders has been watching that. JW underscore G has been watching that. Um, Carl Dunn's been watching Tribes of Europa. I will watch anything sci-fi dystopia because dot 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 junkie. Han026 has been watching Chris Folk celebrating its 22 years of being on our screens and what a show. 
couldn't agree more. I've been watching Alan Carr's Interior Design Masters, or whatever it's called, um, which I've really enjoyed. So it's sort of like bake-off with interior design. People have to do interior design stuff. But Alan Carr is such a delight. He's so funny and kind. And actually, he's a big interior design fan himself, so I hear. So um, that's been nice to watch. Sort of a nice thing that I put on in the evening and I sort of zone out. Oh, excuse me. There's a bit of a row going on on the tennis court. This is why I don't play sport, you see. Now, books. The lovely Courtney Act is reading Obama's Promised Land. The Cat Planet says she's reading The Iliad by Homer because she likes to suffer. Blimey O'Reilly, Cat Planet. Isn't that like 400 pages long? Ben Townley Canning has been reading Diary of a Film by Niven Govinden. Bianca Martin has been reading Empire of the Ants, Les Fourmis by Bernard Weber. Not a book I know. And what am I missing, people? Anna Graham has been reading An Everlasting Meal by Tamar Adler. Danny Lovros has been reading Treasure on Earth. It's a book of memories from Lime Park. Shuggy Bain, Rich Brooks has been reading. Lots of people have been reading Shuggy Bain and won the Booker Prize. Rx2 has been reading, or Ori Times 2, has been reading The Swimming Pool Library by Alan Hollinghurst. Oh, what a beautiful book. I implore you all to read it. Lots of highbrow reading this week. Would I expect anything less from you listeners? No. I haven't read anything this week, aside from an Uber Eats menu. Music. A lot of upbeat music, because things are looking up. For those in England who are in lockdown... We've been given dates that you can leave lockdown. So we've got a lot of Donna Summer coming through, a lot of Destiny's Child. Lowry has been listening to Atomic Kitten, not even ashamed. And why should you be ashamed? Never be ashamed. Matthew has been listening to Dua Lipa. I love that new album. And she's done a new sort of like a deluxe version, hasn't she? Rich Brooks has been listening to Elvis. You go for it, Rich. Papercut Study has been listening to the Arctic Monkeys. That's a throwback. And uh, C.S. Arcus has been listening to Arlo Parks. She would be great as an interviewee on the podcast. I know, we're actually talking to try and get her on because I'm desperate to have her on. Orville Peck, Grace Holwell, has been listening to. I love Orville Peck, sort of queer country singer. Uh, if you haven't heard of Orville Peck, look him up. James A.D.'s been listening to Daft Punk. Very sad here, they've sort of breaking up. I love Daft Punk. One more time was like my university song. <laughs> And what have you all been cooking? I've cooked nothing. I think I made a a salad wrap at some point. And then the rest of it, I've been on the road. Uh, Food in Australia is so good. It's like most of what you have is healthy. And they have this stuff called duca that they put on everything, which is like sort of grains and nuts uh, and flavours. And if you wanted to be vegan here, it would be the easiest walk in the park ever. And you eat a tomato here and it tastes like it's been sent directly from heaven. Whereas, get it from the supermarket in England, it tastes like iced water. I've had good food, really good food. Danny's been doing banana bread again and has cycled back to the beginning of lockdown. Matthew has been making omelettes. I love an omelette. It's an underrated thing. If you're hungry and you just want something nice, make an omelette. Wayne RSA has been making lasagna with ostrich mints. I didn't even know you could eat ostrich. I saw two ostriches this week and I saw kangaroos. How have I only got to this point in the podcast and I'm telling you that? Courtney has been making mum's high-protein, low-carb bread. Papercut Study's been doing savoury pancakes, also well underrated and fun. Jim Jong-il has been making ramen with soy-marinated eggs. Now, do you marinate them once you've boiled them? Oh, please send me the recipe. I love a Thai soup. It's just soothing. Which, I, my, my mouth is watering recording this. I really want to eat something now. I'm going to... I had this lovely omelette earlier, which was like... It's called a super green omelette, and it 
it comes out bright green with pine nuts and then barberries, barberries, little red things in. It felt really healthy, and then it came with this sort of green yogurty dressing. I think the greens in it was spinach in the omelet. I mean, then I had a side of bacon with it. Was that necessary? No. I might have to go and act on this now. Eat some more. Now you've all made me so hungry. Listeners, that has been an absolute delight, as it always, always is. Keep sending us your feelings on LGBTQ plus sex scenes. Let's create a little database of good, accurate portrayals of queer love and sex. Next week, we've got Tom Allen on the podcast. Such a funny comedian. He's gay man, um, among many other things. He's the host of Bake Off Extra Slice. He's a stand-up comedian. I adore him, always have, always will. Such great chat. Really interesting conversation about his whole life, really, because he's written a book. It's called No Shame, which is all about living with no shame. He's incredibly honest, really, really funny. So many funny stories about his childhood, growing up as this young queer kid in... uh, what he would say is like his you know very normal family from Croydon and he kept trying to get them to like you know eat with silver knives and forks and lay the table beautifully every time they had a meal and that sort of clash of being young and queer and camp and what does that mean and why do we all why is that a common thread for a lot of queer people I know I was a bit like that and just really deeply honest we had a lovely chat about stuff about relationships and how he struggles with them and the perception that relationships are easy for those who are in them which i think is just not true just a wonderful wonderful man so i cannot wait for you to have a listen to that and in the meantime please get in touch please stay in touch send us your comments your questions and your agony uncles to hello at homo sapiens podcast.com Follow us on Instagram for all all manner of chatter and me posting pictures of spiders or on Facebook at homosapienspodcast.com and I'm going to give you the photo. I'll take the photo while we're talking because then you can tell me what you think of my hat which says panache on it which I have discovered is not a right-wing organisation. There's the tennis court. I'm going to put the tennis court in the background. There we go. Pictures taken. Thank you listeners. Please stay in touch. Loads of love and goodbye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Powered by Spirit Studios.